0: 1 Peter chapter two verses four through eight. At least that's what it, what I'm going to read. We're going to look primarily this morning at uh, uh, verse four, five, and six, and then next week we'll look at seven and eight. And then the week after that, which is the first Sunday in Advent, we're going to take a break from First Peter, but not from Peter. We're going to look at the uh, sermon that he preached um, in uh, in Acts, and um, it will. Um, uh, that's what we'll do for. Uh, And I'll give you plenty of context and stuff for that. But that's what we'll be doing uh, during the four weeks of Advent. Uh, But today we're going to look at 1 Peter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 4 and 8. The text is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. This is the Word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones They stumble because they disobey the Word as they were destined to do. So uh, what I want us uh, to do this morning is to look at these images that are in this text. There are a lot of images of stones and temples and priesthoods and sacrifices and that kind of stuff and draw some conclusions about, from that about the way uh, in which we're supposed to live. So you just heard an announcement a few minutes ago about a Christmas concert coming up in a matter of weeks. We know that yesterday was the, uh, the day for the Richmond Marathon, and we, so we know that that means the holidays must be coming. It's just a matter of a few more days and weeks, and they will be here. And so what I find about that is it's an interesting time in the life of this congregation. It's always an interesting time. It's always a joyful time. It's always a fun time. But I also run into an awful lot of people who uh, feel like um, what's happening here and what's going on in their lives is a giant sacrifice. You're being asked to do a lot. You're being asked to do a whole lot. You're being asked to give. You're being asked to go to things. You're being asked to buy things. You're being asked to cook things. You're being asked to eat things. (laughs) Which is so hard. You're being asked to drink things. You're being asked to do all sorts of stuff like that. And so there's this giant sense of got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go, and sacrifice, sacrifice, give up, give up, give up, give up, give up. Um, And so what I want to tell you this morning before you uh, freak out and start doing your online shopping in here is um, I am here to tell you this morning uh, about sacrifice, And some of you this morning are going to hear this, and and you're going to be moved to sacrifice even more. And some of you are going to hear this this morning, and you're going to realize you've been sacrificing a ton, and you've been doing it for the wrong God and for the wrong reason. And some of you are going to be thinking, wait a minute, I've never thought about giving a sacrifice uh, in any way, shape, or form, and anyway, aren't sacrifices bad? So... That's where this text ends up today is that all of this activity of Jesus is so that we will offer spiritual sacrifices. That's where it ends up. That's the whole point of what he's doing, right? So um, let, me, let me just tell you a little bit about what I, what I think about sacrifice and, and, and where, we, where we need to come down on this. One thing is, um, clearly, let me be clear, as clear as I possibly can be this morning about this there is only one sacrifice that can be made that can make you right with God, and that was made by Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so whatever sacrifice, whatever we're talking about, about whatever a spiritual sacrifice is here, is in no way, shape, or form anything that gets you uh, uh, righteousness before God. And in fact, whether it's big or whether it's small, the sacrifice that's talked about here is only acceptable to God if it is offered in and through and by and for the blood of Christ. In other words, it, it is centered upon the work of Christ, that what Christ has done, the sacrifice that he has made, and as we'll see in this image, that that he is the altar, that he is the one who's building the temple, that he is the one who is the ultimate sacrifice Everything that we do, anything that you do, is only ever acceptable to God in any way, shape, or form, not because you're sincere, not because you tried hard, not because you gave a lot, not because you gave a little, but because Jesus makes it acceptable. And we uh, experience that and participate in that as we trust him in faith uh, to, uh, uh, with the things that we give, the things that we do, the things that we say. Now, Let's talk a little bit about sacrifice real quickly, and then we're going to dive in to these great, rich images in this text. So one of the things that I've been amazed at this year is the number of retailers who are talking about, you know what, this year, we are going to be closed on Thanksgiving. Have you heard that? You know, because it seemed like there for a while, it's like everybody's going to be open on Thanksgiving, but... You know, we are Americans, and so it's just a matter of time until our inherent self-righteousness manifests itself, right? And so we are going to be self-righteous by saying, you know what? Those bad guys over there, they're open on, on uh, Thanksgiving, but not us. <coughs> so we're making a sacrifice, right? Right? Every businessman I know in America makes a decision to close because they're making a sacrifice. <coughs> the sec- and you know what? Honestly, I don't care. I think they ought, ought to be closed on Thanksgiving. It would be fine with me. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. I just think the whole posture about the things really funny. Now, <coughs> my favorite one in all of this is our, um, the retailer that's here in Richmond, REI. REI is a great organization. They're going to be closed on, uh, on Thanksgiving, but not their online store. But they're going to be closed and they're in their store because they want you to go out and enjoy the outdoors. Now, (laughs) maybe you'll go out there on Thanksgiving Day and you'll be walking and you'll think, you know what, I need that walking stick that I saw in the REI catalog. Or maybe you'll be out there and you'll think, wow, I really need that pair of boots that I saw in the REI catalog. This this is all good. Anyway, all of that to say, (coughs) those kinds of sacrifices they're not acceptable to me. And I'm certain that in some way or another, that's probably not super acceptable to God either, right? So what is it that we're getting at here? And, 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 and what is it, why is it even worth our time and energy to speak about that? Well, to get at this, we have to uh, uh, talk about the images that Peter uses in this text. So he uses images here in this text that we've already seen from the New Testament and the Old Testament, right, reading that we had this morning, that he got from Jesus. In fact, he loves this imagery and uses it extensively. Because even in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, when he is on trial for his life before the same people who killed Jesus... He uses this image that Jesus used in Matthew that we've already read this morning, that is one of the parables that got Jesus killed. He uses the same image over again. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. So I want you to see how he uses and extends this imagery in this text. Next slide. First of all, Jesus is the living stone to whom we come. And the language here refers back to what Peter has just said to us. And what he's just said to us is this, that we, we long for the spiritual milk. And, and what that means there is not that you're supposed to be like immature or anything, but that the kindness of God manifests to us in the good news that Jesus Christ has lived our life and died our death is the only food that sustains us. And it is what we, what we long for, it is what we crave, and it is the very life for us. So as we keep this, when he says here, as you come to Jesus, it's not, it's not just a conversion, but it's the ongoing thing that we do. We keep coming to him, we keep coming to him, we keep coming to him for life and for joy and for peace and for mercy and for grace, for, for uh, uh, sustaining us for all of those things, right? And so he says then, as you come to Jesus, he is the living stone to whom we come. So this 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 is the first image that he wants us to see. He wants us to see that Jesus Christ, crucified, uh, died, risen, and 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 there he is forming, doing something as a living uh, 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 builder, as a living stone. Right. So he is the, Not only is he the cornerstone, he's the living stone. Right. But we, because of Jesus, we're also now becoming living stones as well. So Jesus is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. So because of what Jesus has done, he gives us a share in his building. Jesus Christ is the living stone, and when we come to him in faith, we become living stones as well. And so he does something in and through us to make us live in him. By virtue of his resurrection, we, his death and resurrection, we become alive. But it's not just that. We're not just individual stones that are sitting out in a quarry that are pretty. <clears throat> We're not just nice stones. We're not just stones that are out there that look good, right? But that our, our, uh, the inherent beauty and value of us being living stones is directly... Uh, Uh, tied to the fact that we're united to jesus that we belong to him that he is the living stone and we get our life from him we get our shape from him and we get our place from him and our place is not just as an individual stone but as a as a part of a building with other stones put together right so we're not we're not just individual stones but we are joined together in jesus to build something a spiritual house where god lives now I don't know if you've ever been around stonemasons before, guys who actually build stuff out of rocks. I mean, it is amazing to me what, what, what you can do with that. Because, you know, I, I, can't make, I can't make something straight that's straight, all right? You know, if you give me something that's already straight, the second I touch it, it gets crooked. Well, how can you make something straight out of rocks that are just random rocks, Right? But they look at him and, and and they're able to do that. Well, that's what Jesus is doing as the living stone. He's not just the living stone. He's building something, and he's building something with us. Now, the great thing about regular stones is, um, and the and the issue that the uh, uh, the, the today stone mason doesn't have is the stones that he's working with. They don't talk. We talk. We have opinions. We have we have. We have, you know, we have the need to be uh, the preeminent stone in my corner of the building, right? We have, we have, we have all of those things, right? But what, what Jesus is simply saying is, no, he's the, he's the cornerstone, he's the main one, and his ministry is giving us his life and building us into something that is greater than we would be uh, individually. But he says here that that, that, that that image is not just enough, that we're not just stones, but that we are a holy priesthood that offers spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God because Jesus is the altar in this spiritual house. He is the offering that is in this spiritual house, and he is what makes our offerings acceptable. Listen, I want you to hear this right now. One of the things that we we think about, and one of the things that's just natural for human beings is that we look around and we see somebody who's giving something, somebody who's sacrificing something, somebody who's giving something and we measure it by the apparent sincerity of the gift, or maybe we measure it by the apparent worth or value of the gift. So the bigger the gift, the more impressive it is. That's not what we're getting at here. What what happens here and, and this thing that Jesus is building, this temple, this this priesthood that he is building, is he is the preeminent sacrifice. And I would submit to you that when you begin to feel dissatisfied or upset or hurt or whatever about whatever it is you think you're sacrificing, part of the problem that you're having that experience is, is that you're not giving your offering, you're not experiencing your offering in light of the bigger offering that's already been given. You can't give something to make yourself acceptable to God. You can't give something up. You can't give something to make yourself suddenly acceptable to God. The only way anything that we ever do is acceptable to God, the only thing that we ever, any, anything that we give, anything that we do, any words that we say, anything like that, it, it only is acceptable because in and through the work of Christ, that's what makes it pleasing to God. Now, I I want you to hear that this morning because the fact of the matter is there is great freedom in that. There's great joy in that. There's great life in that because what I realize is is that all these things that I have, this body that I have, this voice that I have, this money that I have, this house that I have, this family that I have, these relationships that I have, all of those things that in and through and by the work of Christ, whatever I offer... Whatever I offer, as small or as um, uh, large as it is, the fact is it is made acceptable because Jesus Christ has already made the predominant offering for me. And as he is at work in me, he is building us into a community that is beautiful, like he is, that is alive, like he is, and that has his priestly ministry of offering sacrifices in joy and in light of the sacrifice that he's offered, right? So so let's look a little more deeply now into these images. First of all, he talks about the living stone, and he says that he is the most precious, most precious. Um, Jesus is called the most precious because without him, there are no living stones, so without the work of Christ, none of this would ever happen. He lives, we lives. he is precious, therefore we are precious. Now even though Jesus is rejected by men, and even though it may appear to us that we in our offering, and our work, and our lives, and in our loves are rejected, the fact is God is the one who makes the determination of the relative value of our lives, of the relative value of who we are. He's the determiner of value not men not even you perhaps one of the reasons why sacrificing doesn't feel very good to you is because you give and you give and you give and you give and, you give and you're waiting to see results <laughs> and, and and the results are are not that great or not not apparent well you're trying to be the determiner of value God is only the determiner of value. Therefore, Jesus is precious because without him, there are no living stones. There's no spiritual house. There's only futile attempts at currying God's favor. favor. So, So whenever we look at ourselves, whenever we look at our lives, we look at our service, we look at any of those things, and we kind of separate them somehow or other from the sacrifice of Christ... It's no wonder that we don't feel like they have any value or they're acceptable or anything like that because we're missing out on the energy and the driver and the thing that unites us to one another, that unites us to the living stone, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ, by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, what we do, God delights in. Secondly, there's an activity of unity in this image. So, you know, what, what we tend to think about this is, is we tend to think about ourselves as a beautiful stone. I'm a precious stone. Which is great. That's good. You are. But then you look across the room and you see, look at that stone over there. <laughs> see that stone over there? They look like, they look like a diamond. And I'm granite wish I was a diamond, wish I was a diamond, or I'm a marble, and I am, you know, I'm steady as a rock, and worth building on, and dependable, and all of that, and I look over there, and I see, oh, they're just quartz, you know, they're just shiny, everybody likes the shiny, nobody likes the steady. Right, so so the so the fact is, as as we look at this, what Jesus is saying is, listen, f- f- quit trying to figure out your relative worth. Quit trying to figure out that, that the beauty here is not just that you're an individual stone, although you're a precious individual stone. The beauty where where. And, and the place where God lives is not just in individuals, but in this building that he's building together. We're doing this together. We're in this together. The whole point of the living stone is that he is putting all of these stones together into a giant place where God lives. So, so, the, so the fact is, just the fact that you're a living stone is not enough, frankly. It's important and it's essential But your living stoneness, the the thing that God has for you in that, is is more than just something for you. It is something for the rest of the house. It is something for the rest of the building. We we belong together. We're united together in Christ. And and the beauty of that house is in what we live and do and serve and work and offer together. Next slide. Uh, But the fact is, in this image, we're not ultimately just a fixed building, but we're an active priesthood. That is not just one priest, but all of us have the priestly ministry just like Jesus did. Jesus offered himself as our sacrifice. He is our high priest. He gives us a role in that. And and this role is in offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, take the slide down for a minute, Chris. Just... Let's just stop here for a minute. It is so dangerous. It's spiritually, um, right now, in my heart and mind, the Holy Spirit is flashing in front of me a caution light. And the caution light is, you got to be careful when you talk to people about sacrifice. Now, typically the way you get over that is you say, you know what, your sacrifice doesn't matter. That's not what this text is about. This text is only about the sacrifice of Christ. The problem with that is, that's not what the text says, okay? The text says that you have this sacrifice in Christ, that you have this priesthood in Christ, that you have this living stoneness in Christ, and all of this ends up in a place where the whole point is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what is that? I, I, you know, I thought the way you started out this sermon, Steve, that you were going to let me off the hook, that you were going to tell me, you know, that extra thing you've been giving in the past, you can quit that now and you can rest. Well, maybe you should. Or maybe you are thinking, Steve, you know, there are these people and there are these other living stones in here. And they might be beautiful living stones, but they're not holding up their corner. (laughs) And they need to give up a little bit more to hold up their corner in the house that God's building here. Let me tell you, this whole deal about sacrifice is a hard thing. A really hard thing. Very difficult thing. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to unpack it just a little bit for you, but I want to make you squirm a little bit about this thing. Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings are, <clears throat> it's, um, I get up at, at early, and I meet two different groups of men at Chick-fil-A on Parham Road. It's delicious. It's, uh, um, um, it's a really sweet time. One of my favorite times of the week. Uh, my Friday morning group, uh, and these guys don't know it, but I have. I, I've asked all of them to do this because I have plans for them. Because God has plans for them. Now, guys, those of you who are out here, just relax. I'm not, I'm not about to call you up here and, and make you uh, something, anything unusual. But it is a sweet thing. This week, we talked about the call of Abram. And uh, on Friday morning, and one of the things that's interesting about the call of Abram is Abram grew up in a culture where family was everything, where, where home was everything. And God came to him and said, Abram, leave your country, leave your home. For a place, I'll show you. For a people, I'll make of you. Don't ask how, don't ask when, just get up and go. Leave everything. Leave everything. And by the way, you're barren. Your wife's not having any kids anytime soon. But I will make you a great nation. And this place I'm going to take you to, I'm going to give it to you. Don't ask how. Don't ask when. I'm just going to do it. Now we hear that and we think, well, that's so easy. God showed up and talked to him. That never happens to me. He does not show up and talk to me. Well, think about it this way. What if God showed up and talked to you, really, came to you today and said, hey, I got this for you. I want you to do this. Don't ask me how or when. Just do it. And then he disappeared for 25 years. 25 years before you hear or see him again. If you're like me, you would be like, did that really happen? What happened here? Was, was there something in my, my soup that I ate that day? You know, what? what is going on here? What's up with that? He left everything. He sacrificed everything. And so we read that and we think, wow, and, and the guys, they're sitting here and I can sense the tension rising around the table. And, and it's not because we're being overwhelmed by uh, Tuckahoe Middle School boys, uh, which happens every Friday morning. What, what, what's, what's happening here is they're starting to think, could I do that? And that's what I love about this church is because whenever we come up about things like that, people are willing, you know, it is, it is a rich spiritual blessing to me to sit with men who are at least willing to ask the question, do you, do you hear me? Not just that, let me, let me uh, back up here and massage this and move this around and try to figure out how I can make this okay and not really mean what it might mean. In fact, you know, I got to ask the question, God... Are you calling me to give something up, Jesus? You you lived for me, you died for me, you loved me. Um, might I have to give something up? And so, of course, I seize on those moments <laughs> and say, "Let me tell you a story." That I told the church years ago at Christmas about a woman and her husband who were doctors in a remote part of Uganda, and she was having a baby and. Had had a difficult pregnancy, and she was considering that she would stay there and have the baby because they really needed the ministry of presence near to those people. And she concluded her Christmas letter that year was saying, "Well, God gave up a son, gave up His son for me. Might I give up a son, maybe, for these people?" And 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 when you hear that, I, I hope some of you are like, "That is so offensive." That is the worst thing you could say. How is that even possible? That is terrible. Stop it. That's what I thought. That's why I read it to the church so many years ago because I I, I thought this is a a really profound thing to think about. Jesus gave up everything. Now, here's, here's what I know about that is... There might be some of you in this room right now that God might be actually calling to do something radically crazy like that. But there also may be some of you here in this room that he may be calling to live uh, an existence here in your neighborhood in Richmond, Virginia, serving and living and being faithful to what he's put in front of you to do. Either way, in faith, by the righteousness covered by the blood of Christ, one is not more acceptable than the other, but they are both service that is welcome and beautiful to our Savior. And so, as we think about that, one of the things that we have to understand is um, if you never get to that place in your life, and you never think about something that you're doing, something that you're cooking, something that you're eating, something that you are serving, that you have no sense at all of sacrifice, in light of the sacrifice of Christ, not that, I'm not saying that you're a skinflint or selfish but I am saying perhaps you are missing out in your fellowship with Christ because Jesus is first and for- foremost a sacrifice for us. And one of the ways we could experience fellowship with him is in that same ministry. Do, do, you, do, you, do you understand what I'm getting at here? So rather than sit here and tell you, this is what, let me, let me tell you to quit, you know, don't spend money on this, or don't go and do this, or don't do that, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't really care about any of that. I don't, I, and honestly, in, in Christ, I don't think he cares a lot about it either, except to say that the, the, the value of sacrifice is in asking the question, is there ever anything in my life that because Jesus loves me, I quit doing, I started doing, or I gave? Think about that just a little bit uh, over the next six weeks or so. So we're ultimately not a fixed building, but an active priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what are these sacrifices? Likely, I think they're in two arenas. One is in praise and thanksgiving, and the other is practical loving service. Uh, The writer to the uh, uh, Hebrews says, through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I think one of the great things about the economy of the New Testament, in light of the sacrifice of Christ, what we do is it is so compelling that we speak and we pray and we sing, right? And and when we gather together, that is one of the richest things that we can do, that is one of the the... the, the your engagement in, in worship as you sing and as you pray and as you read the scriptures and as you do those things in and through the merit of Christ is, is a rich sacrifice. It is something that is pleasing and acceptable to God. And, and so you don't have to fret about how good your voice is or how, or how bad your voice is or, or, or any of those things. You simply allow what you have and what you are doing to be... Uh, in faith, what Jesus has for you, and you just do it and and it 's great it 's acceptable it is a, a an offering that God finds compelling so so what then are our spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through christ they are the deeds you do, the words you speak, the songs you sing when you do them spiritually. That is, when you do them in reliance on the power of the Spirit from faith according to the will and work of the Spirit and for a manifestation of the Spirit which is a manifestation of Christ. So, whether you're giving, whether you're singing, whether you're praying, whether you're serving, whether you're baking, whether you're roasting, whether you're uh, uh, hospitality, giving, uh, giving a party, uh, whether you're giving money, whether you're giving whatever it is, what, whatever the thing is that you're doing, the issue for us today is, can we say, I am doing this in and through and by and uh, in virtue of the work of Christ? Because if it's somehow connected from that, it's not a part of the temple. It's not a part of the living stones. It's something that you're doing. Now, practically speaking, um, how, how does this work out? Well, um, I want to I, I give you two examples of things that I think that are worth thinking about and worth uh, Uh, unpacking a a little bit here this morning. Uh, The first one is, I am reminded that when Marty and I got married, one of the people that we went to seminary with gave her a book titled Marriage to a Difficult Man. (laughs) I'm not making this up, (laughs) okay? Uh, And uh, Marriage to a Difficult Man. Uh, and I do not want my email box to be filled up tomorrow with, hey Steve, where can I get that book? Right? <laughs> right? Uh it was a kind of a kind of a historical, kind of a not historical book about Catherine von Bora, who was the wife uh of Martin Luther, the reformer. And she writes, and this is apparently something taken from her diary, where she is feeling guilty one day because she took a vase that they had in their house and she hid it from Martin because that was the last... (laughs) Some of you are nodding your heads and you're like, don't go there. This is the last wedding present that we have left in the house because he's given all of them away to poor people. And I don't have any great attachment to this, this vase but can I just keep one wedding present that he's not giving away, right? I wish we had some difficult men and women. That would be awesome, that'd be a good thing. Uh, but secondly, the other, the other thing to, to, to think about this, uh, and if anybody ever gave anything away, with, uh, without any sense that they were earning God's favor. Trust me, it was Martin Luther. So, uh, um, what a rich thing. So, let me make a suggestion this year. You know, people make Christmas lists and holiday lists and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something do something for somebody, sacrifice something for somebody, give something for somebody this year. And I don't mean some kind of secret Santa. What I mean is do something for somebody and don't take any credit. Do it anonymously. Only Jesus knows. Only the the cornerstone knows. Only the the living stone knows. And secondly, um, the fruit of lips. Um, In the living stone, the temple that God is building. I cannot tell you that the best, one of the best things that happens to me spiritually is on those communion Sundays where I sit in the front row and I look at the living stones coming to be fed by the living stone. And I see the beauty of the work of the Spirit of God applying the grace and the mercy and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. To people who don't have any sense at all that they are caught up in the most wonderful and the most profound thing in the world. They are simply living their lives trying to follow Jesus. That nothing to me is as encouraging as sitting there watching you participate in that. And so, the fruit of lips, the offering, the sacrifice of sweet lips. Let the ministry for us this year be a ministry of building up the other living stones in our midst to say, I see Jesus at work in you. I see how he is leading you and providing for you. A couple of weeks ago, I and this is the reason why this sanctuary is designed this way, so that you, you can see each other. Now, sometimes you're like, I don't. those people over there are distracting me. Well, maybe God put them there to distract you for a reason. Maybe you should look at them and think, what's going on in that living stone? Anyway, um, I looked over here, and there was a mom with her three kids sitting over here at the 9 o'clock service. Her husband wasn't here, but she was here. She had her kids, and they were doing the worship thing. And I'm telling you, as somebody who uh, is married to a mom who had three little kids and brought them to do the worship thing without dad for years, because, frankly, um, well, dad didn't want to be distracted by all the distractions before work. So, And she's more competent with little kids than I am. She did the work. And I looked over there and I said, that looks just like what went on in my life for years. And so I went to that mom after the worship service and I said, I commend you. Jesus commends you. And I don't feel bad about speaking for him because he sees what you're doing and the sacrifice and the work and the love that you're doing to be here with these three little kids on a day when your husband, who could not be here because he's helping somebody else move whose ox is literally in the ditch, So, I believe that's the kind of offering, the kind of sacrifice that we're talking about, to build the temple, the spiritual house, with the living stones that Jesus died to make alive. Would that be true of us this year? Let's pray. Lord, we... We need a sense of this today. Thank you so much for your goodness, for your love and your mercy. Thanks for your care for us. Thanks for uh, this text uh, that uh, s- speaks to us of sacrifice and of life and, and, and of uh, service, uh, how rich, how profound it is, how wonderful and how beautiful it is. Help us today to see one another as the living stones that you are building into your temple uh, and that the, the offerings and the sacrifices that rise from this place uh, are rich and acceptable because, Jesus, you died to make them that way. Help us to experience joy and uh, uh, your pleasure uh, in that work uh, this year. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.